0: Hey, welcome to another exciting edition of the Give Me Liberty podcast. We're joined by a next generation leader, author of Your Next Leap of Faith. Shane Winnings joins the Give Me Liberty podcast starting now. And welcome back to the Give Me Liberty podcast. I'm joined by a good friend, Shane Winnings, who is also the author of an upcoming book called your next leap of faith, and I wanted to welcome you, brother. Thanks, Great to man. see you.
1: Yeah, glad to be here.
0: Remind me of the organization that you are also the president of.
1: Uh, so it's called Overcomers, and uh, yeah, we're, the, the goal there is just to equip people to burn for a lifetime. That's, uh, that's our slogan, burn for a lifetime. So uh, we've got discipleship school. We've got a lot of good things coming up soon. Really excited about that
0: burn long, but never burn out. That's right. There's an old saying that the light that burns twice as bright burns half as long. And Mm. that's, that's, that's recipe for burn out, but we don't want to burn out. We want to be carried by the Lord in this work. Amen. Um, So, so brother, I um, first met you last year at March for the Martyrs, Gia Chicone's right. organization, there in Washington D.C., second time, second opportunity, I got to, to speak there. Got to hear you speak, and um, man, you've been you've been traveling around state by state through this Kingdom through Capital Tour, Kingdom to the Capital Tour. Yeah, I want to talk about that, but then I also, before you talk about that, I want to talk about you specifically, your spiritual biography, uh, the calling on your life how you came to, to faith in Christ, how uh, the Lord kind of equipped you also through your various experiences and leadership and uh, your service to this country. Thank you very much. Thank you. And also uh, in law enforcement. Yes. Um, all of those things. I would love to hear that. and And I know our audience would as well.
1: Totally. Yeah. So I, you know, I always planned on going into the military. My dad was an officer in the Air Force, And so uh, got a scholarship to college, joined the military in 2012 as a second lieutenant. So I was an officer. I was assigned to first special forces group airborne in uh, Fort Lewis, Washington. So just South of Tacoma. Mm. And uh, I did a tour in Afghanistan in 2014. And I had quite a, you know, a good little career going. And, you know, I had a, a, two generals tell me, you'll be where we're at one day, which is what I wanted. Like I wanted to reach that, you know, the, the height of the a military career. And uh, it was right at that time where everything's kind of budding that, you know, I had grown up in the church and I was drumming at a mega church, but I wasn't living for God. Like I was, I was living just like everybody else, you know, but I had a Christian confession. And I still felt this prompting that I knew had to be God because it didn't make sense, but to get out of the military. And so I was like, okay, you know, I guess I'll, I'll leave all of this that I worked for my whole life. And uh, I, I, I started applying to police departments. And during that time I got encountered by God and he spoke to me and he said, you've never lived for me one day in your life. Mm. And I was ultra convicted, I mean, Anyone would be. And I I began to see my life through a lens of self, that everything I did, even noble things that Mm -hmm. I did, was for me. And I would ask God to make it happen. And, uh, you know, Lord, help me go to this college. Help me do this. Help me get this job. Help me this. It was always about me. Mm -hmm. So God, he confronted me that night on my bed. You know, I didn't have anyone having me pray the sinner's prayer or anything like that, laying hands on me just almighty God showed up in my room, convicted me. And then he poured his love all over me. I mean, I was, I was sitting in that conviction for a good couple of minutes and then I felt his love. And I said, Lord, I've never lived for you. You're right. But I can give you my life tonight. Mm. And it was so funny because when that happened, I I began to feel this call to preach, but I had just got accepted into the police Academy and hired on by a department. And so I'm like, Okay, I feel like a preacher, but I'm in the police academy and everyone's talking about this is going to be the best 20 years of your life. And I'm like, I don't want to make this a career, but I felt the Lord tell me, hey, this is where I have you right now. And so I would preach on the street by day and I would work in a gang infested city at night. And it was such an interesting, you know, I'd be I'd be fighting a guy over a gun at night and the next day I'd be preaching at the grocery store. Which you know, in Tacoma, outside of most grocery stores, there's tons of homeless people. So there's there's a lot of people to hear the gospel. They're not going anywhere. Um, but I started to see you know crazy uh, moves of God. I started to see miracles and people give their lives to Jesus. And I did that for five years. And uh, during COVID, during the lockdowns, I began preaching on social media. That erupted. Uh, many v- videos went viral. In a half a year, I had over a half a million followers. And throughout all of that, uh, in 2021, God spoke to me and said, hey, I, it's time for you to quit being a cop. You're gonna be a full-time missionary. And so we obeyed the Lord and uh, you know now we live in Texas and I run a nonprofit and I travel and speak. And uh, it's been a wild, wild ride.
0: Wow. Incredible. (laughs) Incredible. I want to go back to something because I I always love this about testimonies. And I just I'm saying this, too, for anybody that might be listening. There is always a call like that moment where you come to this realization that you are in your sin. And you God is right, by the way, in his word about what it says about us in our trespasses and sins that were dead to Christ, basically. And you had to come to that moment of faith, but a but a genuine repentance, like a repentance yeah. from like, I'm, I'm turning away from this. I'm dying to self and I am, I am choosing Christ. I am walking with the Lord. Um, yes. You know, I, I think sometimes the invite and I want to be clear, like I, I am totally for this, but the invite Jesus into your heart language sometimes muddles it up that and that's not actually actually in scripture it's repent and believe i want to be clear the bible speaks in terms of repentance and faith in christ but but oftentimes like people will talk about like oh i love jesus or i i've put my faith in jesus but you're saying hey man i was in the church i was a drummer i was doing all of these things and i actually Uh wasn't living for him
1: 100%. And so you had,
0: you had to come to that moment. And that is, uh, you know, I want anybody who's hearing this to be, to, you know, to be abundantly clear that, like, uh, you have to have a moment in your life where you come to Jesus, where you repent of your old way and die to self, and you're committed to a new life in him. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a work of the Holy Spirit, right? It is. Uh, regenerating you and changing you from the inside out. Well, what's wild
1: is that I I grew up hearing the gospel. I call it the gospel of transportation. You know, pray this prayer to go to heaven. Mm. And you're left filling in the blanks. You know, hey, read the Bible and make sure that you're in church. But, But Jesus preached about transformation. And inviting Jesus into your heart, that, it doesn't even make sense because the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. And the Bible says that you need a brand new heart, actually. And that only comes from being born again made a new creation someone who's never existed before that is how you could have me someone who was a two-time bible verse memorizer state champion when i was a kid and a mega church drummer be completely lost and have Mm -hmm. a christian confession but look exactly like the rest of the world and uh and so when god comes and says you haven't ever lived for me i felt like when he was speaking in the old testament and he says they profaned my name everywhere they went. And I was so convicted and I realized I've had it all wrong. I don't have a new heart. I don't have a new mind. I just have a confession. And I needed to surrender my whole life to him. You know, I had nothing to hold on to. I wanted to be dead at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I had everything I could have wanted. I had a five bedroom house. I had a sweet uh, muscle car. I had a Jeep. I had a motorcycle, a dog, a good career. And I wanted to be dead. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm in church all the time, three, four days a week, practicing, serving, whatever. But when Jesus came in, my bondage broke off, my heaviness left. Um, you know, a lot of my friends left with that. That's a whole other story. When you start walking the narrow path, you're going to find a lot of people aren't walking the same way, but I've never had more peace, joy. None of that in my whole life since I've been with Jesus. And mm. now I totally get what he paid for on the cross because it wasn't just a plane ticket to heaven. So, Amen. Got to be careful. I, you let a preacher yeah. on here. I'm going to start preaching.
0: Amen. Well, real quick, too, uh, as a police officer, you experienced a lot of things. You had a near mm-hmm. death experience, correct? Yeah, yeah, I did. Can you share that I'll just briefly? Yeah, sure. Um,
1: mm-hmm. So, like I said, I worked in a really bad area the city was federal way washington it was between uh, tacoma and seattle and so a lot of the the murders that would happen um if they didn't ha- happen in our city the shooter or whoever was from our city i mean it was a it was a bad area tons of gangs tons of drugs um so we're busy you know i i, I was talking to some cop the other day and he was talking about running some golfers off of a trespass area and i'm like dude we didn't have time for that we were chasing stolen cars and fighting guys over guns. And our guns were out every night. I mean, it was crazy. And so in 2020, my partner and I are chasing a stolen RV and, uh, he keeps like stopping really hard. You know, he'll slam the brakes on and pull to the side. And so based on videos we've seen in training, it looking like he's either going to get out and run or he's trying to get the jump on us so he can start shooting. And, uh, One of those times he pulled off really hard, and I stopped my car and I got out with my gun to get ready to get in a gunfight or whatever, and he throws it in reverse and hits my car, which hits me and sends me flying in the air. And then I hit the ground and I look up and he's still coming, trying to run me over with the RV. And uh, I had to kick my foot up against the car, and, and my foot literally was being pushed by the car, and I was pushed along the ground on my back I mean just a wild situation but I walked out of there with only a bruise um, the guy got away but you know what I, I I'm not even worried about that I just want him to come to Christ I want him to know who Jesus is uh you know we we could have we could have handled that differently that day but I just felt mm-hmm. I don't know God God stepped in so many times when I could have, um pulled the trigger on my firearm and i never had to and uh it it was just it was wild man you know what but i'm here i know i have a purpose and so i just i constantly whether it was in the war or it was in federal way washington which by the way being a cop is a million times more dangerous than being in a war zone i've been there um i i've had these experiences where i realized life is so short and it's not live it to your fullest and all. It's live for Jesus because yeah. in a second, you could be standing before him. And I want to have confidence on that day. Um, and that comes from abiding. And so that's my life is abiding and teaching others to abide.
0: Mm. I, I can't remember who it was, whether it was Jonathan Edwards or Martin Luther or John Calvin. I can't remember which. But saying, saying this, live your life in such a way that if you were to get the news that your life would be suddenly ended in the next hour, there would be no alteration, mm. you know, that you would not have to change. Oh, no, I've got to change right now what it is I'm doing. Yeah. You know, as a Christian, live your life in such a way, it's totally devoted to him, it's worth it. Amen. But live your life in such a way that you do not dramatically alter your life with the sudden news that it'll, that it'll be over. That's good. And you need that um, perspective. Absolutely. I, I think about what Jesus said in Luke chapter 19. He says, "Occupy until I return." Yeah. You know, then st- in the in the parable of the talents, you know, occupy until I return. Basically, keep yourself busy.
1: Yeah. You know? Same with the um, the wicked servant and the good servant. It's yeah. You know, it's not about what's it going to look like when Jesus comes back. He was he spent two thirds of a page giving them signs to look for, mm. and he spent two pages telling them what to be doing, and it's being faithful and working hard and doing what you're supposed to do, and then when Jesus comes, you're not going to be caught off guard you know
0: yeah so that's exactly right
1: it's a life lived for jesus and you know i actually talk about that i don't know if this is a good segue yeah let's talk about it everything i just said is in my book i don't even know if this is mirrored it's called your next leap of faith uh it's available for pre-order on amazon comes out in october it's my testimony and each chapter it's not just like hey read my life you know it's not that awesome it's Mm -hmm. i've had moments that required radical obedience to God, which produced radical fruit. And I wanna challenge people to live that life of surrender. So each chapter has a leap of faith to take. It's like a, it's, it's gonna provoke people to go all in. And I think, I, I believe that you would agree with this. When you think you're surrendered to God, you find out that there's a little more to give and a little more. And uh, I'm trying to draw that out of people uh, in this book. And so I think it's going to be inspiring. It's not just like, hey, read about my life. It's it's for the reader uh, yeah. to get you closer to God. So I'm really excited for that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I have looked through it. I have read it. Uh, and I appreciate so much of you sharing your testimony, your life in it. I think it'll provoke a lot of uh, thought and others. And I, and, I, and I think it'll be inspiring and, and convicting and encouraging all in one. And Thank you. Uh, so I, I do want to talk about this because um, this to me is is a, is a, especially with somebody who's, who served in the military um, has has trained to be a police officer been in law enforcement when I mean, you have dealt with evil you know, a lot of times people are like you know think about evil like metaphorically and out there and over there and um, you, you you have to things that are constantly confronting you in those situations and also as a gospel preacher you um, but the the idea that men need to be bold, they need to be ready, they need to be men. Yeah, uh, we need to be we need to man up for the hour. Uh, the days are evil. We need to be sober minded. But you know, in today's culture, there's this toxic there's theme of toxic masculinity. Oh yeah. Um, everything is is effeminate. Uh, men are hated and despised. But then, uh, and at the same time, men men are you know putting on you know. Uh, women's clothing and, and sports bras and and, right. and advertising for um, you know bud light for example, right? right and 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 so like there's toxic masculinity on the other hand and there's fake uh, feminization on the other, you know right. it's, like, it's like and so like uh, what I am seeing more often than not is this sort of especially in the evangelical Christian world, there is a call to manhood, a yeah. call to, listen, you may not have been raised this way. You might have not been raised up by a father who taught you how to be a man, but it is time to man up. Yeah. And so our spiritual father is calling us to take the baton of leadership uh, and and to, uh, to be strong and to be resolute and to plant ourselves in the word of God uh, and to lead and to sacrifice. And yeah. so I wanted to kind of pick up on that because I think y- your life has, you've experienced that, you've had to walk that walk. And um, I think it's important we call other people to do it as well.
1: Yeah, amen. Um, you know, first and foremost, we have to understand that God created male and female differently, both in his image, but we have different roles. Mm-hmm. And so this idea that uh, men should do everything women do, it's, it's not biblical. I mean, women Women aren't called to be the head of the household. And that's not because right. we have some complex. If someone has an issue with that order, they really need to take it up with God because it was his right. idea. So our, our job is just to submit to the Bible. And for the, the argument or you know, whether it's true or not, I don't know, P- people say, well, I was born this way. Well, you know what? That might be true, but you were called to be born again. And so whether you think you're born this way or whatever, you're called to be born again. And when you get born again, you fall in line with God's created value, the purpose for your life, you know, what he says about men and women. And even just statistically, like not even spiritually, which we know the spirit realm is more real than the one we're living in, and it's eternal. But even statistically, naturally speaking, we can see the results of fatherlessness in the home. You know, crime is up. Um, homelessness is up for people who didn't have fathers, poverty, uh, you know, uh, decreased performance in school. I mean, uh, higher chance of, uh, depression or addiction. The dad in the house is crucial. Um, Mm. so even on a, a natural level, we can see that, but I think what's really important for us to understand is, you know, I was thinking about, you know, what does it mean to be a man? And I'm actually in first Samuel right now. And, David, you know, he manned up, so to speak, yeah. because he ran at Goliath. He pursued him. He ran to meet him. It says, and uh, before that, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he's like, "Look, I don't care about your sword, your javelin, your spear, all your cool stuff. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord." But mm. where did he get that uh, that strength? Where did he get that confidence? Because he had told Saul, "Look, I've already fought a bear. I've already yeah. fought the lion." The Lord's delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, and he will deliver me from this Philistine. So David, he wasn't just a big talker and he, you know, all the stars aligned. He had been doing the right thing when nobody else was looking, protecting those sheep. And when the time came for him to man up and they needed a real man, wouldn't it be a young boy who had the heart of a man, the heart of a warrior, a, 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 a servant of the Lord uh, who went. And I think I wrote in my Bible, One of the most powerful things to me was that um, this was actually incredible. It it says here that when Saul was looking for someone, uh, they said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. That's a pretty good resume. But then he says this, And the Lord is with him. That to me, I, I got chills. I knew the Holy Spirit was all over that. And I said, Lord, let that be what's said of me. And so if mm-hmm. we wanna know what what is needed in this hour for men, it's to be men of God. Because mm-hmm. when you are a man of God, you know your identity, you're gonna be acting in the way that Jesus would act. Um, and you're gonna be led by the Spirit. And God knows exactly what needs to be done in this hour. And so we actually just need to be fully submitted to him,
0: and he can use us however he wants. So, amen. Long answer, I, but man, I I'm passionate I about that. I love that. that. By the way, pointing to that passage, uh, so I love what you, everybody needs to go read it. It's in First Samuel. I cannot remember the exact chapter. You might have that in front of you, but where he basically makes this declaration. Sixteen. Uh, yes, it's in six. Okay, so First Samuel chapter sixteen a lot of times when people talk about david versus goliath they talk about the stature of goliath they talk about the the size of david remember the weapon that he was using was a, was a sling basically right. and a rock the other thing is is i don't think the miracle of that story was the rock the rock had very little importance if you read about it it's like yeah i've already killed a bear i've killed a lion i've done all those things it's the fact that the, that the spirit of God was upon him. Yes. And that at that moment, he is the son of righteousness, like pointing to Christ ultimately. Okay. Um, you know, he's not he's not the Christ, but he's pointing to, he's, he's a figure in that moment where he is doing something as the son of righteousness against the enemy. Who takes on our enemies? Jesus Christ. Right? Yes. And so... So here he is and he's making this declaration, which is like, oh, man, I mean, this is this is a moment of not only kinetic warfare, but spiritual warfare. And so when he says that and then he slings and kills the guy dead, it's like, yeah, the the miracle had already happened in the fact that God had raised up this Ninth son of Jesse right. from this little town called oh, Bethlehem. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> and 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 who, by the way, Saul was the one who was head and shoulders above the rest. Saul was the person of stature, but of no character. Right. And and ultimately, you see the difference. And and by the way, this articulates the point in manhood today. Yeah. Um, real men are going to not just follow um, a natural pattern of living. Oh, I'm born this way. But rather, real manhood, I think, is ultimately defined in being born again. Yes. Uh, being made into the likeness of Christ. True man, right? Yeah. Uh, the last Adam. Um, so, you know, Adam, quick thing for those listening. You know, Adam falls into sin, right? And in the, in the, uh, we are made in the image of God. Um, and we still are, even as we're in sin. But but ultimately, to when we are born again in Christ, we are made into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. And yeah. so, it, it's not it's a it's not just creation restored, but a new creation. Amen. Um, that's what we need to be longing for. Uh, and so, I want to I want to talk about this. You know, looking at. The calling of God for every man and also a woman. Um, you think about citizenship. You think about where we are in this country. You're you're taking part in this kingdom to the capital tour. You're with Sean Foyt. Yeah. Um, you guys have visited, I think, probably almost like a dozen places by now. Yeah, we've, and we're think- at
1: nine cities down so far. Forty-one to go.
0: Wow. Wow. So talk a little bit about first of all why this, why you did this, and then. What I guess, you know, drawing on the greater point of why should Christians be civically minded or, or active, civically engaged?
1: Yeah, great question. Also, First uh, um, Samuel seventeen is David and Goliath. Sixteen is where I was referencing Saul uh, calling upon David. So correction. Perfect. There. Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah. So w- when it comes to came to the capital. Um, the goal is it's not a political movement, you know, people think, oh, it's happening at the capitals. Like they're trying to, no, um, it's not left or right or blue or red. We are going after God. And it's significant that it's happening at the place where the biggest decisions for that state are made. And so we just believe in the power of worship and prayer and repentance, you know, and declaration because we know things are happening in the spirit that we can't see. Um, So just in the supernatural, it is significant to meet in that place and make a declaration. Um, And that is our sacrifice to the Lord. And we literally have turned state capital steps into altars and seen thousands of people come forward and repent and, and be healed in their bodies and just all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's been absolutely incredible. But the point of it is not just to have another worship meeting. Um, we are also charging people to care. We, we want to see a revival of uh, caring about being a U.S. citizen, which is not a, a bad thing, right? Uh, we, we have been placed in this country, and it would be ungodly to not care for something that you've been given. Uh, it would be it would be not Christlike for me to leave my house a mess or mm-hmm. to allow someone to come in and start telling me how to run my house. That wouldn't be right. I am the steward of my home. I'm the leader of my home. Well, we need to start seeing the country as something that, look, if Christians are not involved, the enemy doesn't take a day off. And the Bible does say, and you quoted it earlier, that the days are evil, but Christians are called to redeem the time. And mm-hmm. so... What we're doing in this tour is we're charging people with this concept that James talks about of faith plus works, right? I tell people, look, we can stand here and we can pray until we're blue in the face. That is not gonna change laws. Like we have the ability to go vote, (laughs) you know? Um, Mm -hmm. 15 million Christians are reportedly not registered to vote. That would gigantically sway an election and when you get onto the state level, you know, for instance, we're in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, only ten percent of that city voted in their mayoral election. Ninety percent of people had no say in the election for mayor. I mean, that's yeah. insane. And yeah. so I'm asking these people, I'm saying, when's the last time you voted for a senator? Because here in Texas, the heartbeat bill was authored by my friend Brian Hughes, who's a senator. I said, when's the last time you voted for a senator? When's the last time you voted for a school uh, board representative? Or when's the last time you voted for a judge? Like, guys, we Mm -hmm. have to get out here and we have to be involved in these things. And so, you know, we're not trying—we're never pitching a political party. We're saying, hey, are you tired of being unequipped? Let's tell you what the Bible has to say. And that way, when topics come up, you'll know what the Bible says. When it comes time to vote, you won't vote because— your favorite personalities on tv you'll look through biblical values and that'll change your heart and so you know we're we're not trying to change votes or anything like we don't even talk about that we're trying to change people's hearts so that they they have an encounter with god just like happened to me no one had to tell me to stop doing some of the things i was doing when yeah. i got, when i encountered god my heart changed i began to see through a new lens And that changed how I lived. So we're like, Mm -hmm. hey, come encounter God at the state capitol. We're going to give you some action items. But we believe if you truly pursue the Lord, you will carry out your civic duty, which is to get involved. Look, there's there's straight up pornography in some of these kids libraries. Go get in there in the school board meetings and Mm -hmm. tell them, hey, this stuff is evil. And if I have another minute, this is really what I want to challenge people with. Laws came from God. God God gave Moses the law. Uh, it didn't exist before that. Uh, God did it. And so what's happened over time is we've said, well, we like those laws. We're going to tweak those and we're going to totally get rid of those. All the laws were meant to be God inspired. And now we actually have demonically inspired laws where mm. in Washington state, for instance, you know, if you don't want to agree to your kid getting a gender affirming surgery, uh, they can take custody from you. That is not a God inspired law. That is a demonic law. Guess what? If Christians in that state would step up and say, Hey, we're not going to stand for this. This is against God's design. It is perversion. It is blah, blah, blah. We could actually see a difference. And, uh, you know what we are seeing a difference in the country from being silent and it's going in a horrible direction. So we, we just want people to care enough to lead them to act. So, uh, wow.
0: That's it's incredible. Hard. It's hard to do, yeah. but we're doing no. it. Well, listen, It like there's so many things there that I, I, okay, let me, I, we have so much limited time, but I, I want to, there's a lot. so many good things. So <laughs> James guys in James chapter two, uh, he says, y- you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith with, without deeds. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Faith without works is dead. Um we know uh in, in Ephesians chapter two, uh the apostle Paul says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, that Amen. not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, uh, not by works, lest any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We know we're not saved by our by our works. So right. we're 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 clear on that. Verse 10 says, For we are christ's workmanship created in christ jesus to what do Do good good works. works so once you are saved you will produce fruit i heard you say this earlier shane on a on a different program at a different time but you said look you know an apple tree doesn't try to produce apples it's just an apple tree right right it will naturally produce fruit by nature of what it is, right? Yes. So, by the virtue of it being an apple tree, it's going to produce apples. If you're a Christian, you're going to produce good works. That's right. So, as Christian citizens, I think there is a there is a general ignorance. I think that um, we have been trained uh, and taught civics by secularists mm-hmm. that do not have the gospel in mind or the or the mission or ministry of the gospel in mind. And so what they're telling, the, the biggest thing, if, every, if everybody is listening, that you know, you know the sine qua non of uh, secular civic engagement is this. The number one rule, the golden rule, is what? Separation of church and state. Right. That's everybody. Everybody has been taught that. So misinterpreted. So misinterpreted. <laughs> and so people are listening to say, well, separation of church and state. separate, And it's like, no, Christians, you are commanded to vote righteously. And Christians, you in this country, in the, in the United States, you're citizen kings. We have a we bear a responsibility similar to David. Mm-hmm. That part of our responsibility in civics is not to appoint emperors, not to appoint kings over us, but actually representatives yes. who will who will go. Uh, you know whether they be policymakers, whether they be sheriffs. Like sworn peacekeeping officers, law yeah. enforcement—they're um, constitutionally bound. Lawmakers are constitutionally bound. Judges are constitutionally bound. Uh, presidents are constitutionally bound. We have this completely wrong understanding of our civic duty, not only as as Americans but also as Christians. And to that point, because um, I'm and I'm so glad you guys are doing this and leading by example, but. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom, but we're also citizens of an earthly kingdom. And sometimes that strict separation has caused people uh, to say and do as though they are citizens only of heaven, right. but not of this, of this earthly kingdom where God has planted us, right? Yeah. So um, I, I have used this multiple times here at the Freedom Center, just as an example, but it's out of uh, Jeremiah It's Jeremiah 29. A lot of times people are like, oh, go to verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. Well, yeah, that's a great verse, but but specifically go back a few verses and read what Jeremiah is saying. He's talking to exiles, Jewish people that are living in Babylon. That ain't my country. That ain't my king. This isn't my responsibility. And he says, hold up. It is your responsibility. God has planted you here for this time, for this season, for this reason. And you guys are gonna build houses, you're gonna plant gardens, you're gonna give sons and daughters in marriage. Oh, and you're gonna pray to the Lord on behalf of the city, for in its welfare, you'll find your welfare. Mm. And so he's giving them this command: don't, you're not going back to Jerusalem, you're gonna stay here. A lot of you are gonna die here. Mm. And so, the, by the way, the term city in Greek in the Septuagint is polis. It's also where we get the term politics. There you so, go. So there is, a, there is a command of God on the covenant-keeping people of God, the Jews, while they're living with these godless, heathen, Babylonian, uncircumcised people, right, who don't love God, don't know God, don't worship God, don't want to have anything to do with them. And they are commanded to live in that city to dwell there but also to seek the welfare of the city. So what's interesting is Christians have even greater responsibility in the United States. We have inherited something far greater than Babylon. Yeah. You know, and 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 it has a and it also has a Christian heritage. It has a Christian legacy. Yes. Th- these were founded not by Babylonian uncircumcised heathens but many of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were preachers, were pastors, yes. were they feared were feared the Lord. Exactly. Feared God. They were itinerant ministers. Well, I want to point to Jefferson. I want to point to, to to Benjamin Franklin. I want to point to the to the Deists and to the to the non-believers. Okay, fine, do that. But I could give you hundreds of other men right. who were responsible and women who were responsible for the founding of this country, um, for drafting these articles uh, that find their way in the Constitution, the Federalist Papers, and 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 all the rest that show you. That this, we have been given a basically a Christian country. Yes. Um, but we have failed in this mission. We have failed it miserably over the past 50 years, I would say.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I saw, you know, when we were in Alabama, we had the Chief Justice invite us in to worship in the Supreme Court, like in the courtroom. And then wow. he brought us into his office. He has tons of old, uh, you know, uh, historical documents. He's got a book that James Madison signed. And uh, it was um, it belonged to him, and it was what he used to help write the Constitution. And it was from overseas. It was a uh, what they used to write their constitution. And in the beginning of the book, it says, this is written basically under the understanding that everything comes from God. All laws are created by God, and any laws that we create cannot trump God-given laws. So it, mm. the, the Constitution was literally written under that premise of, Everything is traced back to God. Everything we do, it's Romans 13. God is our head and we fall under him. Um, and and we're, we're not seeing that now. We're seeing so many things perverted and we're seeing ignorance in the church. Again, church and state, that was to keep the state out of the church. Mm. So when the governor says, you can't worship, you could say, no, I'm going to worship. And we can have the faith like Daniel of even if you do throw me in the lion's den, you know, or the, the faith of the three men, even if you do throw me in this fire, let it be known I'm not bowing to another. I'm serving Mm. God, I'm not afraid. And you're never gonna tell me how to worship or how to meet and serve my God because I'm a citizen of heaven, but I'm an ambassador of heaven. I'm a representative of heaven, but I'm living on the earth right now. And so I can't show Jesus to people if I'm too afraid to get involved. And again, the last thing I'll say is, and it's been made clear over these last few years, if Christians aren't involved, you can see the fruit of when only the enemy is speaking into things. And that is Mm. why one out of five Gen Z identify as transgender when 50 years ago, that didn't even really exist. Um, Those people were just seen as having a mental health crisis or issue. So Mm. we need God in every sphere of influence, including politics. Um, i don't like it it's a messy game but you know what i'm called to be there and so that's where i'm at and uh, I- i'm thankful for people like you who are you know giving me an opportunity to raise awareness and and just talk about it
0: oh amen brother appreciate you um your book when do you when does it hit the market
1: it's going to come out i think uh, like mid-october uh, okay you can pre-order now on amazon again your next leap of faith looks like this awesome. just search for my name on amazon you'll find it Awesome.
0: All right. Thanks, brother Shane Winnings, author of Your Next Leap of Faith. Thank you for joining the Give Me Liberty podcast.
1: Thanks a lot, Ryan.
0: (laughs) What an exciting episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please like and subscribe and share with a friend. I really appreciate what Shane Winnings is doing, not only on TikTok and social media, trying to influence um, many who have not ever heard the gospel before. Um, Certainly he's sharing his life, his testimony and all of that. But I really appreciate also what he had to say about men in leadership and Christians engaging the civic sphere. Why it's so important that we have biblical citizenship. In our conversation, we talked about David. We also talked about uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Uh, you, You look at that passage in Daniel, I can't help but be reminded of this, that when they were talking to Nebuchadnezzar, they said to him, you, O king, have no say in this matter. That's an incredible testimony of people who are gripped by conviction. They believe in God. There was a fourth person in that fiery furnace, by the way, and we believe with full faith and with full conviction that it was Jesus Christ who was standing there with them. But I want to contrast that with a different group. And that is that when Jesus was on trial, when Pontius Pilate was looking to the Jews, they said, we have no king but who? Caesar. Notice the difference. One group saying, you, O king, have no say in this matter. A lot like Acts chapter 5. We must obey God rather than men. The other group? says, we have no king but Caesar. In many ways, that is the attitude in the church. Those are the two predominant views. One that basically says, we must obey God rather than men. We must fear God rather than men. We must must obey God rather than tyrants. And the other view is, again, we have no king but the government. We have no king but the president. We have no king but Caesar. It's food for thought. Uh, it's a sobering thought to think of where we are as a country. If Christians would vote righteously, they would act righteously, if they would do justice, uh, as it says in the Old Testament, you would see a much different country. Pray for this country. Get involved. Get registered to vote. But, but even more than that, get informed. Serve in your church Uh, Some of you might be called to run for public office. Consider all of those things. Give to these causes as much as you can. Until next time, God bless you.